0: All right well, good morning, Trace. how we doing? Good. All right, all right. hey, about six or seven years ago, Emily and I decided that we were going to go to a homeless shelter and we were going there to serve uh, some meals and just do whatever we could to help out and it 's about forty five minutes away from our house and we get there and again, Lily would have only been about a year old at the time, so I had one of those backpacks with Lily on the back, and so we did our thing and helped again where we could and then we decided to leave. And again, we're 45 minutes away from home and we get in the van and we start on our way and it's like, we're out of gas. Like, oh shoot, we're out of gas. And so I'm looking around in the car real quick and realize I don't have my wallet. And I look over to Emily, I'm like, please tell me you have your wallet. And she said, I don't. And so we pulled over, again, 45 minutes away. There's no way we're gonna be able to make it home. And so we pulled over and we're processing, like, what are we gonna do? And about that time, somebody comes and knocks on our window And it's a homeless person. And they said, Hey, he said, Hey, do you have any change you can spare? And I'm like, We really don't. Like, do you have any change you can spare? We need gas. (laughs) And he didn't. And so we finally realized what we had to do. We had to go back to the homeless shelter so that I could beg for $10 to get us home. Probably one of the most embarrassing things I've ever done in my life. That's exactly what we did. And just so we're on the record here, Emily didn't go in with me. She sent me in by myself. (laughs) Happy Thanksgiving, by the way. I don't know if you've got any traveling plans in mind or going to be heading out of town, but I love this time of year. I also love mashed potatoes and looking forward to this week. And my hope is that this is a week that you look forward to as well. We are going to be talking about serving today. And to give you a heads up on what our one thing is, I'll go ahead and tell you right out of the gates. Serving is not about something that we do. It's about someone that we want to become. And it's possible that as soon as I said something about serving, some of you thought something like this. I know, I know, serving is something else I'm supposed to be doing as a Christian. Let me camp on this for just a moment, and I'm going to take a timeout. In a couple weeks, we're going to kick off a new series called Presence. And this is one of those series, you're going to have to take my word for it, you need to get your friends to this series. You need to get your family members, coworkers, to come to this series, especially if they've ever gotten a bad taste in their mouth with church, and here's why. And I'll give you a little teaser of what we're going to be talking about. Sometimes as Christians, we, we use this kind of language. This is something I'm supposed to do, but let me be really clear. If it's something that we're supposed to do, that means if we don't do it, we're actually failing as Christians. This is called performance language. And our faith has nothing to do with a performance. And when we get into this series called Presence, we're going to be talking about the importance of being in God's presence and not performing. And so today, as we take a new look at serving and what it could, how it could change your life and the implications that it could have for this church if we all buy into this, I want to get away from performance language. Because if you watch Jesus and as you grow in your knowledge of Jesus, you'll learn that when he gives us things to do, when he actually models things for us to do, it's not so he can step back and just wait and watch to see if you succeed or fail. The things that he models for us to do actually can make a huge impact by giving a reflection of his life in love. And if you ask me, leaving a trace of God's love everywhere we go, which is exactly what our mission is here. And so as we approach this subject today, can I ask that you take away this lens of something that you're supposed to be doing and rather allow this to be absorbed with the idea of what it could do if it turns us into the person that God wants us to be. We're going to start today in John chapter 13. And so if you have your Bibles, I would encourage you to open up there. Maybe you have an iPad, an iPhone. Go ahead and flip over there, turn it on, scroll, whatever you need to do to get to John chapter 13. And we're going to begin in verse 1. If you don't have your Bibles with you, you can follow along here on the screen. Here's what he says. It was just before the Passover festival, and Jesus knew that the hour had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. The evening meal was in progress. Keep this in mind, okay? The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power, and that he had come from God and was returning to God. Pause really quick. The reason this statement is important is because of the time frame in which this is taking place. Because Jesus is saying that he understands, John is actually saying, that he understands who he is. And because he knows that the hour is coming where he's, he's getting ready to be taken to the cross, he's about to be arrested, he knows that he has to instill in his disciples, the people that he's leaving behind, to get the message of the gospel out. He needs to make sure that they get it. And so that's an important statement. So he took off his outer clothing, wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water into a basin, began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with a towel that was wrapped around him. Now, let's camp here for a second. The reason why this is important is for a few reasons, actually. Number one, let me give you some historical context here, some cultural context of what would have been taking place at this time during Jesus' life. You see, when you were to walk into someone's home, especially if you were walking in for a meal, traditionally there would have been a foot washer. Someone would have been there to actually wash the feet before you sat down to have a meal. And I'm going to speculate a little bit here, and it doesn't matter if I'm right or wrong, but just follow with me. I'm going to speculate a little bit here, and the fact that Jesus does this tells me that there might not have been a foot washer, that they actually walked into this room, sat down to have their meal, and nobody washed anyone's feet. And so it's possible possible, that the disciples are sitting down and they're looking at each other. Who's going to do it? Who's going to be the one to wash our feet? And maybe they're looking at each other. Maybe some of them are thinking, maybe I should do it. No, maybe I'll just wait and see if anybody else does it. And then the last person that they would have ever expected to get up and begin to wash their feet actually does it. Don't we do this at times? Don't we see needs, see something that needs to be done, someone that needs to be helped, but we maybe stand back and just wait and watch? Maybe somebody else will do it. Friends, I have a a secret ambition as the lead pastor of this church. And that secret ambition is that when people see the name Trace Church in the future, when people see our logo, they'll say things like this. That's the most loving church I've ever seen. Those people love other people radically. And do you know what's going to get us there? You know what's going to help us to make that a reality? How we serve other people. And the only way that we'll get to that place, and I I think I'm speaking for all of us when I say, I bet we all want to be a part of a church that's remembered and recognized for those kind of things, but we can't be the kind of people that sit back and say, maybe somebody else will do it. Let's just wait and see. And so if nothing else, let's take our cues from our leader. Because Jesus said, probably to himself, maybe Jesus was sitting down thinking, are any of these guys going to do it? Have any of these guys been watching me and listening to me? Do they understand the importance of serving others and humbling themselves? And maybe he sits around and watches. Maybe he already knew that they wouldn't do it. But he says, I'm going to be the one who sets the tone." The person that's probably the, most, the least expected to do this, I'm going to set the tone. Church, I want to be full of people who are tone setters. Especially when it comes to serving others and meeting needs and loving people radically. One of the reasons I feel, I feel like this actually could have taken place is what we hear from Peter next. Here's what he says. He came to Simon Peter who said to him, Lord, are you going to wash my feet? Like at this point in time, Peter's embarrassed. I should have been the one who got up. Why wasn't I the one who got up to do this? Now Jesus is doing it and I feel embarrassed. Jesus replied, you do not realize now what I'm doing, but later you're going to understand. No, said Peter, you shall never wash my feet. Kind of see the pride in Peter here a little bit, don't we? Jesus answered, unless I wash you, you have no part with me. Now that's an interesting statement. Why did Jesus feel like he needed to make that statement? That if he doesn't wash Peter, then Peter has no part with him. Let me speculate again for a second. Maybe Jesus getting up and actually washing his disciples' feet, it wasn't just about him serving them, but it was him teaching them the importance of allowing others to serve you. Some of us have a problem with this, don't we? Allowing other people to serve us. But friends, I can promise you there's just as much to learn in that as there is in actually serving others. Because when you allow others to serve you, it causes you to chip away at your pride. It allows you to approach this thing that we call humility. Both of these things are very, very good. All of us need to be growing. We have room to grow in the area of humility. And so when we allow others to serve us, it allows us to move in that direction. But also don't miss this, because if we don't allow others to serve us at times, we're actually inhibiting a blessing from coming in their life. Let me show you by skipping down to verse 14. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. I love how Jesus does this. I don't know if you notice this, but when you see the things that Jesus models for us, they're very simple. There's nothing extremely complex about it. He just does something, and then he says, now go do it. That's it That's what it should look like to be a follower of Christ. As we learn, we go do and teach others to do as well. Very truly I tell you, no servant is greater than his master, nor is a messenger greater than the one who sent him. Now that you know these things, you will be blessed if you do them. Let's talk about this idea of blessing for a second. Some churches get a little off the trail when they talk about God's blessing. Let me give you an example. So uh, probably about a year ago, I went to a conference here in town, and uh, at this conference, uh, there was a speaker, and he was talking about this, this whole idea of being blessed. And the speaker got up, And really quickly, I understood that this guy was coming from a position of what's called the prosperity gospel. And the prosperity gospel is all about doing things so that you'll be blessed. It's a matter of what you do so that you can get. And the speaker got up, and he literally said this. He said, don't go after the Mercedes-Benz. You just continue to be faithful. You continue to be obedient. Do what God wants you to do, and the Mercedes-Benz is going to come to you. I'm like, oh, I was so disgusted by that comment. And immediately I started to pray God, I could care less. I couldn't care less about a Mercedes Benz, but a Jeep Wrangler, maybe. (laughs) That's where we got to be careful. We don't do any of this stuff, whether it's serving, whether it's giving. Whether it's coming to church, whatever that, we don't do these things so that we will get something. We do this because we listen and we follow our Lord, Jesus Christ. We do this out of response of his grace and what he's done for us on the cross. And if we'll approach it correctly, which looks like this, it's not about something we do. It's about someone we're becoming. You might just be surprised what kind of blessing could come in your direction. Let me tell you my experience. When I was 16 years old, I had some really unfortunate events happen in my life. This led to some some trauma mentally and emotionally, and it ended up causing me to suffer, and I say suffer intentionally, from anxiety and insomnia, and it was bad. Sometimes I would go so many consecutive nights without sleeping that I would go to the doctor's and they would have to give me a tranquilizer. For those of you that suffer with insomnia, you know the pains of this particular ailment. And I tried everything. I tried multiple doctors, sleep clinics. I tried all kinds of medications, and I just couldn't get on top of it. I had so many people at church pray over me on this multiple times. Emily would probably tell you there's nothing she's prayed more for me about than my, this problem with not being able to sleep, insomnia, and anxiety. The two were really related, because what would happen is I would lay down at night, And the anxiety wasn't this type of anxiety where you're panicked. It was more of, I couldn't shut my brain down. My brain was just always going, always processing. It would never go to sleep. And guys, for years, I suffered with this. And I remember many nights, many nights, repeating this verse over and over and over again. Sometimes probably over a hundred times. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, with prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God that surpasses, that it transcends all understanding, will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. That's what I wanted. I wanted that peace. I bet some of you are seeking after this right now. You don't even know you are. Maybe it's internal turmoil. And when you hear words like these, this, a peace that surpasses, transcends all understanding, you're thinking to yourself, man, I'd like that too. I don't know exactly how it happened, but after 16 years of struggling with this, 16 years, over the period of about a year and a half, I started to notice that my insomnia, my anxiety, it was going away. It wasn't there anymore, and I couldn't put my finger on it. I tried to. I was thinking, Is this, was it an answer to prayer? Am I just growing out of it? What's happening? And then the Lord pointed me to something, something that I had been pursuing for a very long time, and it's represented in this verse right here. Do nothing. Nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but rather in humility. Consider others above yourselves. Each of you not looking to your own interests, but looking to the interests of others. I was in pursuit of that verse, and I'm going to take a moment here, and I'm going to tell you something I'm not very proud of. For a large part of my life, I was a very selfish human being. Now, you you wouldn't really have known that if you knew me, because I still help people, I serve people, But oftentimes it was because of how it reflected on me, not really them. And so at night, part of this insomnia was lying down, and I would just think about my day and how everything that happened during that day affected me. If I had interactions that I didn't like, how did that affect me? If there's something that took place in my life that day, how did it affect me? And I've learned that a lot of insomniacs actually suffer from this very thing. But over the process of about a year and a half, this was actually becoming a reality in my life. And as my life started to represent a focus on others, even more so than my very own life, God was healing me. Now, I don't know, and I want to be careful here not to make any promises, but here's what I can tell you. I suffered with this for 16 years. For the last five years, I have had no insomnia or anxiety. God healed me of this. And the only thing that I can, and again, it wasn't overnight. It's a process of probably a year and a half. The only thing that I can point to, and I feel like God actually pointed it out to me, is that, Aaron, this actually became a reality in your life. And when this started to become a reality in your life, you get that peace that transcends all understanding. Now, I want to be really careful here because I don't want to act like I'm somebody that I'm not because I still lose sight of it. More often than I'd like to admit, I lose sight of it. Start focusing too much on myself again, and a little bit of that anxiousness starts to come back into my life, but I know how to find it again. I wonder how many things that if we would actually just live out in faithfulness and obedience, how God would rewire us. Maybe he needs to rewire your mind to think differently. And again, I'm careful, I'm careful not to make any promises to you, but I can't stand up here and not tell you my own testimony of how God has you serving others and putting others in front of myself to bring a blessing in my life that was so unexpected. And I would hate to keep any of that from you if God could actually do something similar for you. And once again, I'm not sure if God actually... Puts a blessing in our direction if our agenda is wrong. Meaning if we actually just do things because of what we're going to get. My guess is that he actually withholds his blessing. Because if serving or anything else is not really about something that we do. It's about someone that we're becoming. So let me do this. Let me talk to you about three things that God is teaching me. And has taught me about this subject of serving. Here's number one. Serving others is one of the best ways to reflect the life and love of Jesus. I bet if you think about it long enough, you'd probably think of somebody that you would say is a really good servant. Somebody that actually puts the needs of others in front of themselves. And my guess is that they stand out to you. My guess is they probably even had an impact in your life because if you know them, they probably put your needs in front of their own. Friends, we can't be selfish with that kind of wisdom. We understand how big of an impact it can make. So what if we become a church that represents this on a consistent basis? Number two, serving others is not about what you do for others. It's about what God wants to do through you and in you. It'll change you. And I just gave you my quick testimony of how much it changed me. I don't know what it'll do for you, but I can almost guarantee you When you learn how to live out Philippians 2, 3 through 4, to literally put the needs of others in front of yourself, I bet you're going to get a taste of that peace that transcends all understanding. And I know there's not a person in here that doesn't want that kind of peace. Number three, serving others should be our natural response after receiving God's grace. One of our vision values here at Trace actually says, save people, serve people. Meaning once we've been saved by Jesus Christ and we understood what he's done for us, that he gave up his life for us on a cross, our natural response should be to start to reflect his life and his love. And one of the best ways that we can do that is actually putting the needs, in front of, the needs of others in front of ourselves because that's exactly what he did for you when he hung on that cross. He put your needs in front of his own. Let me remind you. Matthew 20, 28. The son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Next week, we're actually going to have baptisms. And some of you potentially have not taken this step yet. And I want to remind you that before you start thinking about how you can serve God, before you start thinking about how you can serve other others, I want you to remember that the God that we worship, he served you first by giving up his very life so that you could have it. And we need to trust in him first by being obedient in baptism. And so my hope is that if that's you and you haven't yet taken that step, would you come find me today or Corey or just meet somebody out at the guest services table and let us know that you want to take that next step? And let us do this. And I'll close with this. As we approach this Thanksgiving season, I want us to approach it with serving in mind, focusing on others more than ourselves. And so maybe when you gather around whatever table that you gather around, maybe you're the first to get up and help serve others. Maybe you serve dessert so everybody else can sit down and relax. Maybe you serve hot cider. Maybe you're the one who gets up and washes the dishes. And all the women said... Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Let's start now. I don't know what it looks like. I just know that all of us have a step to take. And friends, I would love to hear as this starts to become a bigger reality in your life of actually putting the needs of others in front of yourself, how God's blessing is shaped in your life. And I pray, and I'm going to pray for this right now in just a moment, that he will bring to you This peace that transcends all understanding. Because I still don't understand it, but I love it. Let's pray. Father, as we approach this season of Thanksgiving, Father, as we approach being around family and friends, maybe even strangers, God, I pray that you remind us of what it looks like to be your servant. Father, the fact that you sent your son into this world not to condemn it, but to save it. And in many respects, he showed us what it looks like to be about your kingdom through how he served other people. He did it constantly and consistently, even washing people's feet. And so, Lord, I pray that you come alongside of us as a church. And I know everybody here is going to be in a different spot. Lord, as we pursue your kingdom, as we pursue your son Jesus, help us to see what it looks like to start putting the needs of others in front of our own. And as we do that, God, would you you give us a little taste of that peace that transcends all understanding? Because I know everybody in this room would like to have some of that. And so, Lord, as we gather around tables this week, would you bring some of that peace in our direction? We pray this. Christ's name. Amen. We're going to have a time now of response and reflection. Uh, Maybe something that I've said is something that you just want to spend some time with the Lord on and you can sit in your chair and bow your head. You can do whatever you want. This idea of a response is so that you can spend time with God. And for some of you who have put your faith and trust in Jesus, this is an opportunity for us to remember What he did for us on the cross. And so down here in the front, you're going to see these wooden containers with some crackers that represent the body of Christ and a cup of juice that represents his blood. And we remember that he served us in a way that changed all of our lives by giving up his very life as ransom for our lives. And we're going to celebrate that. We also have a container down here where you can bring your offering and my encouragement to each and every one of us is that we continue to grow in this area of generosity. Again, Jesus is the most generous person that we'll ever meet because he gave you his life. And so a natural response of ours should be gratitude and gratitude does lead to generosity. And so we would ask that you partner with us as we, we hope to become the most generous church that any of you have ever been a part of. I also wanna take a moment, completely, complete detour here in tangent but I needed to do this a couple weeks ago I preached a sermon and I talked about the the depths of pornography and I talked about some pretty strong things I made some pretty strong statements and they were completely true but I need to ask for your forgiveness because what I didn't say is if you're in this room and you struggle with it we're here we want to listen And I promise you the first thing that you'll ever receive from anybody here is grace. And we wanna walk with you through that struggle. We wanna walk with you through that burden and potentially that addiction. And I mentioned to you how we were partnering with a filmmaker who has made this film called Addicted to Porn, Chasing the Cardboard Butterfly. He's actually here with us this morning. I was excited to see him. And we feel like God is going to use this project in a big way. But we also know the enemy's gonna come after us because he doesn't want this to succeed. And so we would ask for your prayers, your partnership. And if any of you are interested in partnering with us on this project, let us know because this is a big deal. But again, I just wanted to bring it up really as a confession for not letting you know that there will be grace extended. I'm gonna pray for us right now. And again, the tables are down here. The worship team's gonna lead us in another song and we're gonna continue in worship. Would you pray with me? Father in heaven, I want to say thank you for the people on my team that are confident enough to approach me and tell me when I missed an opportunity. God, I thank you for this church and the church that we're becoming together by loving one another and serving one another, by putting each other's needs in front of our own, and tackling hard subjects. God, I thank you for the people represented in this room and their devotion to you and all the influence that you've given them. God, would you show them as we approach the season of thanksgiving and even the birth of your son, that we would be thinking about people that need to experience a place like this. So God, right now we celebrate and we remember what it took, the price that was paid for our sin, the ransom that had to be paid on our behalf. We celebrate the victory of defeating death. We love you, God. We pray this in Christ's name.